Okay, welcome to High Cheese with Darren Maloney. Today is Friday, June 3rd, 2022. So Elon Musk has a bad feeling about the economy. He thinks we're headed for a recession, should last 12 to 18 months. And Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan, thinks we're headed for a hurricane. And I don't disagree with them. A lot of that opinion, I'm sure, has to do with who's sitting in the White House right now and his incompetence. So what I want to do is I want to go to a clip of Biden from earlier this week, and it has to do with the baby formula scandal. And what he's describing is a train wreck, his train wreck that he's responsible for. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. Why didn't you act sooner? Um, Well, I don't think anyone anticipated the impact of the shutdown of one facility. And so once we learned of the extent of it, kicked everything into gear. And I think we're, uh, I think we're on the way to be able to completely solve the problem. But, but they, Mr. President, they, they, they you didn't the CEOs just tell you that they understood it would have a very big impact? They did, but I didn't. Well, the real problem occurred when it started, when it got shuttered. Um, so you're saying we, they should have anticipated it would be shuttered. The answer the is, fall, well, here's the deal. I became aware of this problem sometime in after April, in early April, about how intense it was. And so we did everything in our power from that point on, and that's all I can tell you right now. What a mess. This guy should have been aware of this. His administration should have been aware of this. And I think it was two or three episodes ago, I, I mentioned the same thing. Why did they not know when you shut down a large facility in Michigan that produces baby food? Why did you not think that that was going to ha- not have an effect on the supply of baby's food in the United States? And this is on you, Biden. This is your administration. And there was a report last week that, uh, oh, you're ticked off at your, your staff because they don't tell you anything or they try to change the narrative that you're pushing. Well, they don't respect you, just like most of America doesn't. And without that respect, particularly in government, you're not going to get the information. No one's going to want to supply you with the information. That's just the way it is in politics and government. If your administration, your staff has no confidence in you, No one is going to bring something like this up. They're not going to run it up the ladder. And I think what you're trying to do is because you explain it, you think you can explain it away. You can't explain this away. Now, the other thing, I'm going to play another clip from him. Uh, It it came out today, this morning. He had a press conference on the uh, uh, employment numbers that came out today. After hearing this clip that I'm going to show, I, I have absolutely no confidence that people will be fed in this world. Now, it's going to affect the prices over here in the United States, but there are some places in this world that will not be able to eat. So let me go to this clip and then we'll discuss. And before I go to the clip, you remember a guy named Barack Obama? And you remember what his comment was about Joe? Don't underestimate the ability of Joe Biden to screw things up. And this is why I have no confidence that people are going to be fed. 
Putin's war has raised the price of food because Ukraine and Russia are two of the world's major breadbaskets for wheat and corn, the basic product for so many foods around the world. Ukraine has 20 million tons of grain in storage right now, and it's been in storage since the last harvest. Normally, that would have already been exported into the world market. But because of Putin's invasion and blockade of the port by which they could take that grain out for the rest of the world, it's not. It's not. And I'm working closely with our European partners to get more of the grain locked in Ukraine right now out of the world market, which could help bring down prices. There's ways to do that over land, which we could talk about at another time. I would like to know right now what you're going to do. Because quite frankly, I think you're going to screw this up. And again, as I said earlier, it really startled me when he said that he's aware of this and he's going to take care of it. He's going to screw it up. And you know why he's going to screw it up? I think it was two or three episodes ago when we were talking about the $40 billion that we were given to Ukraine. Was any of that money going to be used to redirect the wheat that normally would have been headed for the Odessa port to somewhere else? You got massive amounts of money. You have to find a game plan to fix this. But you are going to screw this up. And I said before, the, the wheat that comes out of Ukraine, that area, it, it goes to northern Africa and the Arab countries. Now, it's going to affect our prices here because of supply and demand. But those poor people in Africa and some of the Arab countries in the Middle East, they could starve. And why didn't you think about this earlier? And why didn't the economic forum think about this? They were too busy putting sanctions on everyone instead of getting a game plan together on how to get the weed out of Ukraine, unless you wanted it. So I, I've got absolutely no, no confidence. And, and I worry for that section of the world because, you know, if Biden's on top of it, it's going to be screwed up. Just ask Obama. And I'll tell you... <laughs> You know what Biden reminds, his administration reminds me of his song. It's called Locomotive Breath. It's by Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull was a band uh, from the 70s, and it was fronted by a guy named Ian Anderson. And I'm not sure if you heard him. He played the flute. And uh, he was actually pretty good at it. But he wrote this one song, Locomotive Breath. It was about a guy whose life was out of control, and they likened it to him being an engineer of a train. And the train just couldn't slow down because somebody took the brake handle. And at some of the stops, his kids were jumping off. His wife had left him. And he was headed for disaster. And at the very end, he blamed God. Now, I'm not saying Biden's going to blame God. But he's blaming everyone else. So I got a new name for Biden. It's called Jokomotive Breath. But I do worry about the people in other areas that you're not being able to eat. Okay, I just want to spend a few minutes on this Sussman trial. And, you know, again, this is another reason why we should break up Washington. Because uh, the Sussman trial was litigated in Washington and the jury pool was full of Trump haters. Washington, D.C. is ground zero for Trump haters. And Durham was facing some headwinds. And my wife and I, we were, we were watching the, uh, the trial 
transcripts. We were getting updates via the transcripts every day on the trial. It looked good for Durham. And we were quite surprised when Sussman got off. But then you take a step back and you take a look at the, yeah, the jury pool. They all hate Trump. How is anybody going to get a fair trial with that kind of jury pool? And then I heard one of the jurors said that, well, it's not such a big deal to lie to the FBI. Oh, really? Tell that to Michael Flynn. So this is a reason to break up Washington. Put some departments in Iowa. Put some departments in Florida. This way, you've got an opportunity to litigate certain cases in different states, not just Washington, D.C., ground zero of the Trump haters. Now, listen, the other thing I just want to bring up, too, speaking of jury pools, is, and I don't want to alarm you, but, you know, I want to talk about this special grand jury in Atlanta that's being pushed by the Atlanta prosecutor. And it has to do with, uh, remember what happened Right after the election, Trump made a phone call to Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, and he wanted, he mentioned that, oh, I need to find 10,000 more votes. And you and I know Trump was just talking about the spread. He wasn't asking Raffensperger to go out and illegally find votes. All, he, all Trump was saying, there's a lot of questioned votes out there. It doesn't take much to, to find 10,000 votes that are questioned. He wasn't asking him to do anything illegal. But the prosecutor ran with this thing. Now, it didn't help that Raffensperger, I think, provided the prosecutor with this information. But the prosecutor, the local prosecutor, is running with this. So what the local prosecutor has done is they, he, she called a special grand jury. And again, is looking at it, the evidence. Now, the only good thing is that these special grand juries do not have the capacity to indict anyone. However, the prosecutor can take the results of the grand jury decision and run with it and possibly go to a regular grand jury that can indict. And again, this is, this is part of the design by George Soros when he went out and he started funding campaigns for local prosecutors, local public defenders, local officials. Because he knows your power is only as good as your weakest link. And you can be the most powerful guy in Washington. But if some local yokel prosecutor wants to go after you because of whatever reason, they can. And this is what they're doing in Atlanta. And this is why you got to like a guy like Steve Bannon. A guy like Steve Bannon figured this thing out. And he knows that the power is on the local level. It's by controlling your boards of education. It's by controlling your, who your public defender is, who your prosecutor is, who your local elected officials are, who are your committee people. He understands that. And that's why he is so important, because he gets it. Now, Soros and his people, they got a little leg up on us. But a guy like Bannon figured it out. He knows what the answer is. And he's going after it. So again, I don't want to scare anybody, but there's a possibility out there that this could get ugly. Trump will fight. So we shall see. 
Okay, I just want to talk about an article that came out earlier this weekend and was updated on Friday by CNN. And I found it kind of odd. And it had to do with the voting machines and how they are not secure. And I want to know, the question I have, I want to know why they're releasing this now. What story are they trying to get ahead of? What bombshell is that that they're, they're trying to mitigate? Is it the Mike Lindell case? But this is just a mess. These voting machines are a mess. And I, I know firsthand they're a mess. I know firsthand. I worked in Hudson County for 15 years. I know what the intent was when they bought these machines on board. They are fallible. And I wish we could just get rid of them and go back to Hand County. What is so wrong with Hand County? My spidey senses tell me that they're trying to get ahead of a bigger story that's coming out there. And we shall see. I think this is a work in progress. I think there's more to come on this. But I just find it really odd that this type of story would come out. So my wife and I were watching um, a couple of teasers of Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman? Quite honestly, I never heard of Matt Walsh until today. My, my wife was familiar with him. So he put together a documentary about what is a woman. And he did so with the attempt to expose the left wing and how this whole concept of, I don't even know how to frame it, but this whole concept of all these different genders and all this new vernacular we have to establish in society by calling, uh, instead of a he, you have to call them a they and them. And it's absolutely confusing. You need a scorecard to keep up with these people and what these people want. And Matt Walsh in his documentary exposes these people as just something's wrong with them. Their thought process is not based in logic. You know, we, we saw an interview and I don't even know how to explain it. They had a guy or a girl and there was a couple. I think the couple was a guy that used to be a girl. And then the, uh, he was hooked up with a girl that used to be a guy. I just, you know, you, and, and it's not that I don't want to figure it out. It's just convoluted nonsense where they're coming from. They want to teach all the kids all these different uh, um, genders, all at the expense of learning them the ABCs. So you want to totally confuse our kids in grade school with all the different genders at the expense of them learning the basics. And this is what these school systems don't understand. You only have kids in school from, what, uh, 8 o'clock until 4 o'clock in the afternoon? And you, within that time period, you only have that many hours a day to teach them something. And you're wasting your time when you're teaching them the hundred different genders that are out there. No, I'm, I, I'm serious. I saw a list there of the different type of genders. It just was, it was like, it was unbelievable. But again, you're teaching these kids a hundred different genders, confusing them at the expense of teaching them history, math, social sciences, and the basics that will make them a successful member of society. Because quite frankly, uh, these people are whacked. And I do think it's a mental disorder. You know, they can try it out, some kind of doctor or, you know, a hired doctor, a hired gun, say, oh, no, and they're, it's, it's, it's normal. It's normal to think this way. It's not normal. It's not normal. And the interesting thing is that Walsh asked these people, what is a woman? They didn't know. 
I don't know what a woman is. Well, you want to be a woman, but what is a woman? I don't know, but I want to be one. And it's also confusing. But if you get a chance, Matt Walsh, she's got a documentary, What is a Woman? I recommend you take a look at it. And my wife's funny. She's got a good sense of humor. So, you know, we finish, we, you know, she comes in, she goes, <laughs> she goes, I got a joke for you. I go, well, she goes, if I gave you a dollar for every gender, how much would you have? I'm like, oh, geez, I don't know. She says, two dollars with a lot of counterfeits. <laughs> That's funny. And I even want to take a look at the Southern Poverty Law Center did a survey. And let me just give you some of the crosstabs. Now, they're not really crosstabs, but it's their version of the crosstabs. So let me just read a, a couple of the crosstabs from the Southern Poverty Law Center. And it says here, the question was, do you agree that transgender people are trying to indoctrinate our children into their lifestyle? And here's the interesting thing. It said here that 34% of younger Democratic women agreed with that. And 40% of younger Democratic men agreed with that. And this is opposed to 66% of younger Republican women and 64% of younger Republican men that agreed with that statement. Another question. Do you agree that gender ideology has corrupted American culture? 37% of younger Democratic women agreed with that statement. And 47% of younger Democratic men agreed with that statement. And that's opposed to uh, 67% of younger Republican men uh, that agreed with that statement and uh, 63% of younger Republican women that agreed with that statement. The one interesting thing is that the, the younger Democratic men, 47% of them, agree that gender ideology has corrupted the American system. That jumps out. So it's also interesting, and uh, we shall see. Now, there's more to the survey from the Southern Poverty Law Center. And for those of you who don't know, the Southern Poverty Law Center is one of these self-ordained organizations that have um, self-declared that they are the people that are going to declare who's a racist, what organization is a racist in this country. And they did a survey here. And let me read this, and this is from the Washington Examiner. And it's quite interesting. It says more than half of Republicans believe the U.S. is drifting toward another civil war, according to a new poll released Wednesday by the Southern Poverty Law Center, which said it detected evidence of radicalization among both Democrats and the GOP. I think what happened is there was 53% uh, of Republicans thought there was going to be a civil war versus 38% of Democrats, and I think 42% of independence. And then it goes on. It says the survey taken late April covered 1,500 adults also found a distressingly high level of support for assassinating politicians whom the respondent believed were harming the country or our democracy. It says here, young Democratic men were the most agreeable to the idea of assassinating somebody with 44% saying they would assassinate someone under those circumstances. Younger Republican women ranked second with 40%. <laughs> so 
So the assassins are young Democratic men, and in second place, young Republican women. Says here, the mood overall is pessimistic, the SPLC concluded, warning that it saw particularly worrying signs that Republicans, if they make political gains, could erode the rights of the marginalized in our society. I, I, I don't know how they came to that conclusion. But again, you have to understand, it, it's all about race with this organization. So they've kind of cornered the market, well, to some people, to the mainstream media, they've cornered the market on who's a racist and who's not. So I take anything from the Southern Poverty Law Center with a grain of salt. So I don't put much value in this, uh, this survey. But sadly, there was a shooting in Tulsa where four people were killed. Uh, two doctors, I think a receptionist and uh, a hero that was trying to save his wife that was in the waiting room. Uh, and it's sad. And Biden came out and he made a speech that he wants to ban semi-automatic weapons and limit the amount of bullets in a magazine, among other things. And he calls them assault rifles. You know, they just can't even get a clear definition of what they want. But he wants to ban it. Not quite sure what it is, but we want to ban it. That's his position, among other things, too. What, what, what I just find so ironic, and I said it last episode, is that why do they refuse to do anything that's going to increase security at the schools? It's almost like they're, the Democrats are saying, yep, we can't have it my way. We're going to let the kids suffer with no security. Why don't they push more into mental health? I really think over these past two years with the lockdowns, and the way that the uh, government and the media has scared the hell out of people, that there's a lot of people that are mentally distressed right now. And you may see more shootings because of this. And it behooves us even more to look into mental health and to focus on me the mental health of people, particularly after this pandemic. But the Democrats will never do this because they want to ban guns. And they'll let people get shot up and they'll let people, kids get killed in order to make their point. And the funny thing, too, is that, oh, this whole narrative that the mainstream media is trying to pursue with it's only white people that shoot other people. I just found it so funny that CNN did everything not to let people know that the Tulsa shooter was an African-American. Just keep it real. People may believe you, CNN. Just keep it real. No narratives. Do the news. Let us decide. You know who's listening? Justin Trudeau. He came out this week and he banned the sale of handguns. Isn't that nice? Meanwhile, at the same time, I, he decriminalized fentanyl, among other drugs too. So you really want to talk about the Wild West? You watch. You watch what's going to happen up in Canada. Increase in crime, public safety will be an issue, and it's all because of Trudeau. You can have your drugs, you can't have your guns though. Isn't that crazy? Okay, the Bilderberg is meeting as we speak in Washington, D.C. And the way I look at it, the Bilderberg is the uh, smaller brother of the World Economic Forum. Now, it's been around a little longer, I think, than the World Economic Forum. But the Bilderberg group is a uh, elitist society. And they meet every year. And you have to be invited. And let's see who some of the attendees are this year. We've got uh, Ann Applebaum from The Atlantic, a newspaper, uh, a magazine. We've got Jose Barrasso, the chairman of Goldman Sachs. 
We've got Bill Burns, the director of the CIA. We've got Henry Kissinger. I wonder if he's going to show up after uh, what he said at the World Economic Forum. There's Michael Mullen, the former chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And then we have Kristen Sinema, the Arizona senator. And we have Jake Sullivan. He was invited this year. And then we have Krista Freeland. Remember Krista Freeland? She's the one that orchestrated the crackdown on the truckers. So they're going to give her a nice seat up front, I got a feeling. Here's a listing of what they're going to cover. And this is the funny thing. These are all secret societies. World Economic Forum, Bilderberg Group, they're secret societies. And they love to do a dog and pony show every once a year to show people, well, we're kind of open, we're letting people know that we're meeting. But all these decisions are made behind the scenes. So some of the topics that they're going to cover at the Bilderberg are uh, geopolitical realignments, NATO challenges, China, Indo-Pacific realignment, Russia, the disruption of the global financial system, disinformation, fragmentation of democratic societies. That's a good one. Are they going to help or are they going to undermine the fragmentation? And then trade and globalism and then Ukraine. So all the finest of the finest, the brightest of the brightest, so they say, are in Washington right now. And what I want to do is I'm going to play you a clip of John F. Kennedy's Secret Society speech. It's about 30, 40 seconds. And just take it in and listen to what Kennedy is saying versus what these organizations are. So let me play it and then we'll come back. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. You know, how ironic. If Kennedy was alive today, uh, I'm sure he would be a Republican. Well, let's switch to business and finance. The Dow finished down today 1.05% to 32,899.70. Year to date, the Dow is down 9.46%. The S&P finished down 1.63% to 4,108.54. For the year, the S&P is down 13.8%. NASDAQ was down 2.47% to 12,012.73. Year-to-date, the NASDAQ is down 23.22%. Oil finished up 1.5% to $118.67 per barrel. That's for WTI. Spot Silver finished down 1% to $1,848.67 per ounce. And Spot Silver finished down 1.9% to $21.85 per ounce. Crypto. Bitcoin is trading at $29,557.09. And right now it's 10 o'clock on Friday, June 3rd, 2022. Ethereum 
is trading right now at $1,758.49, and XRP is trading at $0.39. The New York Senate passed a bill that bans crypto mining operations that use carbon-based fuel to power its facilities. The bill specifically is targeting proof-of-work mining, which is one of the two most popular mechanisms cryptocurrencies use to verify new transactions on the blockchain and make new tokens. But it uses a lot of energies to validate blockchain ven- uh, transactions. So what happens with crypto, uh, most crypto, is that the uh, transactions need to be verified on the blockchain. And these transactions are verified by third-party actors called miners. And they set up their computer systems and they search the blockchain and the internet for these transactions. And uh, these computers use a lot of energy. So what New York uh, State did is um, uh, ban it. You know, they've got to use renewable energy, whether it's uh, from nuclear energy or if it's uh, from a hydroelectric plant or solar. If they don't, they they can't function. I think there's a two-year ban on it. So... You know, we'll see what happens. You know, just my observation, I, I just think people are going out of their way, uh, particularly those in the, in the government, uh, going out of their way to attack crypto. You know, I keep on reading these articles. It's the death of crypto. Clearly, people with an agenda that want to use the uh, economic slowdown as a way to just bury crypto, which I don't think is going to happen. And again, I own crypto. I own Coinbase. The, these companies are responding correctly to uh, the downturn. Gemini, one of the platforms that you can use to uh, buy and trade crypto, they just announced that they're cutting back 10% of their workforce. And Coinbase also, and again, I own Coinbase, they announced that they're having essentially a hiring freeze. So they're actually being more fiscally prudent than many of these S&P companies that you see out there. So with that said, I want to thank you so much for listening. You have a good weekend, and I will see you on Tuesday.